Good day, I'm Peter Talgart, CEO of Grain South Africa. Please allow me today to share with you, as part of a continued podcast series, some relevant information. Good afternoon, Lambert. Um, Algoa was quite in the news the, the last month or so, and it started back in the beginning of the year. Uh, just the other week, you were uh, with us with AgriSA and you made a presentation, and I was quite intrigued by what you said. So maybe just in short, your your background, uh, where are you on, uh, where are you from, what do you focus and specialize on? Thank you so much, Peter, and thank you for having us. Yes, we're from uh, Hilton Lambert. We are practitioners of trade law. Um, most of our clients are in the agricultural sector. We focus on the rules underpinning international trade. Uh, we are based in in uh, Gauteng and in the Western Cape. And uh, yeah, so that's as far as my, I think, as far as my background is concerned. Lambert, thanks. In terms of Agoa, as, as I said, in short, what is the nature of uh, Agoa? Agoa is a, is a one-sided, unilateral, non-reciprocal, if I can elaborate, on the concept, trade preference, which the United States, uh, through its Congress and its president, grant uh, sub-Saharan, certain sub-Saharan countries, eligible sub-Saharan countries, uh, to benefit from uh, uh, reduced or either no duties into, into the United States. So, in terms of the legality, what is the legal basis of such a GSP? Well, the GSP is a different system of preference that underpins the AGOA, the African Growth and Opportunity uh, Preference. So, the GSP, General System of Preference, uh, has a longer history from, from the 70s, uh, and it's not only restricted to Sub-Saharan Africa, it's from all regions for developing countries and least developed countries, giving them preferential, I mean by preferential, uh, very, very good import or no duties into the United States on products. And it's not restricted to agricultural products only. It's, it's, uh, it's over the tariff book uh, of the US, US tariff book. So that, that was done in 1974, I think, uh, the legislative basis for the GSP. And AGOA then builds on the GSP since 2000, uh, under the Trade and Development Act in 2000, and AGOA has been extended twice now. Uh, the la last extension was in 2015 for the another ten, uh, for the another 10 years until 2025, uh, where, where AGOA will, will need to be reauthorized uh, by, by the United States into, in order to allow us continued uh, preferential market access into the United States. Lambert, so from grain SA side, closer to grain specifically, you mentioned an example the other day of the 300,000 uh, tons of wheat quota that uh, SACU basically grant the EU. What is the, the implications um, in terms of, of the eligibility criteria? Well, well, thank you. Yeah, the, the eligibility criteria is the criteria which which a country uh, needs to comply with in order to enjoy both uh, GSP preference into the United States, and there's a different set of eligibility criteria to benefit also under GOA. Now, one of the, uh, the criteria that I picked up in, 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 in looking at the matter was for GSP, and if you don't qualify for GSP, then you also automatically don't qualify for a GOA. 
So if we look at the GSP criteria, one of which was interesting, it, it, it reads as countries that provide preferential treatment to the product of another developed country in a manner likely to have a significant adverse impact on US commerce. Now, adverse impact is there the resting word, and you may argue, well, the quota that we've given on wheat or saku to the EU under the Economic Partnership Agreement wouldn't raise adverse impact on for the US commerce, but that typically could be a point where US wheat or other pressure groups in the United States uh, could frown upon uh, South Africa giving another you know, quota on wheat uh, to another developed country or group, the EU, uh, and, and is unhappy about that. And they could, you know, they could, they could petition, uh, you know, South Africa on that basis for a review uh, as, as non-compliant with that eligibility criteria. That's an example. The other example where South Africa, uh, you know, as of late November 2022, we were still under review on the treatment of intellectual property, uh, specifically copyright, uh, where South Africa is under review, whether it complies with, with the criteria to protect intellectual property or sufficient to protect intellectual property. So the implication of that could be if, 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 if the president in his discretion should decide to, to remove South Africa from GSP status, then, then as I said, one of the three criteria for being a GOA eligible will fall away. So yeah, that's that's to answer your question. The other the other issue is that you can always graduate from GSP as well. Uh, that that if you're if they deem the Americans deem that you've sufficiently become sufficiently competitive or developed, or that you are classified as a high income country, then you automatically you know you would be graduating as we call it from GSP. And in graduating, obviously, you fall outside of GSP, and then again, you would not be eligible uh, under the AGOA program. Uh, definitely a, a minefield from my point of view, and, and I think uh, definitely calls for a holistic uh, approach. But what is the impact in, in South Africa for, for our grain and oil seeds, um, specifically in terms of the industry? And, and if you think about it, your recommendations, what would be the next step for mm -hmm. uh, organized agriculture, like, like Grain SA specifically, uh, how can we strategically consider or what can we drive to really influence or prepare ourselves for such negotiations when they come? Yeah, Peter, thank you. That, that, that's, I looked at the export figures of South Africa under, under GOA, uh, you know, or exports in 2022, up until 2022 uh, to, to the United States for, for cereals, for example, and oil seeds and other uh, miscellaneous grains was in total about $13.6 million, okay, of which cereals was $1.6 million. Now, if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, uh, um, precious metals and stones going out of South Africa in excess of $5 billion, uh, autos, I think, was in excess of, a, of $1 billion. Uh, metals and iron, uh, iron and steel was like in excess of one uh, or 700 million. Uh, and then you see cereals is about 1.6 million. So it's quite, it's quite small. And you have to ask yourself, uh, why aren't we exporting more? And there might be good reasons, but that we need to ask that question. And not only for grains, we need to ask it for oil seeds, we need to ask it for other agricultural commodities. Are we optimizing the opportunity that we have under AGOA? And if not, what would be the reason for not, not exporting more? Now, that could be 
uh, and the US recognizes that, that the administration involved uh, in, in qualifying with the eligibility criteria for an exporter might be higher than the benefit that you gain from, from exporting to the US. It might not be a big market for you, uh, and hence the costs associated with compliance might be uh, your cost-benefit analysis and you're just not exporting to the US. If you recall, uh, we mentioned that the average duty on, on average duty on agricultural products into the US is about 3%. Now that classifies as a nuisance tariff, you know, anything be, be below 5%. So what are the options? So if South Africa is currently under review, and, and I know that Business Unity South Africa made, uh, you know, submissions to the US uh, trade representative uh, on behalf of AgriSA, on behalf of AgBIS, um, where, they, where they plead the case for the continuation of South Africa under OGOA. But basically, there's the option that South Africa is maintained as a beneficiary under OGOA going forward, uh, and that AGOA is extended beyond 2025 for another 10 years or so. Or uh, the president might feel, the US president that is, might feel that, that, you know, in order to force better compliance from South Africa to certain eligibility criteria, that, that the preferential treatment on certain products are only uh, removed, not, not to kick South Africa all out of the AGOA, but to limit certain uh, products from benefiting uh, from AGOA. Now, there you want to ensure that it's not agricultural products that are suffering, and it might not be, because as I've shown you, you know, export as part of the total exports are quite, are quite uh, minimal. Um, or thirdly, you might see that South Africa, uh, you know, that AGOA is not extended, for example, beyond 2025, or South Africa is kicked out of the AGOA, all different scenarios. I think what, what this tells us is, and to, answer, to come to your question is, you know, do we build our export strategy on a unilateral trade preference? Is that a, a firm foundation upon which to build your export strategy? And, and uh, we believe not, and we're not the only ones. Uh, so in order to prepare ourselves for, for a more certain basis upon which to encourage bilateral trade, I must, must add that's embedded in the GOA strategy of the US as well to work towards signing a free trade agreement with, with, with a beneficiary country such as South Africa, or in this case, SACU, the customs union. Um, what, how does that affect your, you know, Grain SA? Uh, how much does, does your mem members stand to gain or to lose from signing a, a free trade agreement? And that question goes to every sector in the South African economy. But I'm speaking to you now, and hence, one needs to say, well, what would I benefit as, in, as, 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 as members of, of Grain SA in opening up talks on a free trade agreement with the United States? And there you take a defensive or offensive position. Your offensive position could be to say, I want to penetrate the US market more than I'm doing at the moment. Uh, and hence, I want reduced duties and, and, and I'm in favor of, of a free trade agreement. Or you could add to offensive position also that you say, I want input material or machinery coming in from the US at lower duties. And hence, a free trade agreement on the input side would actually benefit me. That's part of your offensive strategy. On the defensive strategy, you must, must, must take into consideration uh, import competition into your market at reduced duties or no duties at all of US commodities coming into your market. And you need to check what the level of subsidization is under the farm bill in the US before you open up your market. 
Now that is homework that, that, that each sector and each organized body within agriculture, I think needs to start looking at, because at some point in the future, we might actually, uh, you know, again, we've done this in 2004 and it didn't materialize, but we might be faced with, with that scenario that we, that we enter into an FDA. And I think that then needs to filter into uh, larger organized uh, agricultural business, AgBiz, AgriSA, needs to be consolidated within the agricultural sector, a mandate whether we open or close to FDA negotiations. And that needs to be uh, you know, uh, put within Buzna Business Unity South Africa. And from that basis, you know, agriculture as a sector can then put a position forward. I think that's the homework that needs to be done over the next couple of years while we've got while we've got the opportunity. Peter? Well, Lambert, thank you. Uh, definitely from my point of view, um, very good and wise, wise advice there for, for us because if we just look what happened to the soybean industry in the past few years and where we're at and the, the implication of, of being able to export and having export markets and sure, yeah, definitely um, not answers that's easily available in terms of the literature and applied work, I haven't seen it done very uh, recently. So I think there's a, there's a lot of uh, food for thought that you have given us as an agricultural fraternity and definitely ask for a collaborative and a holistic approach to doing this type. There's, there's, there's pros and cons to that, but but good advice. And Lambert, thanks. Thanks for again and, and, and advising and what you are doing for agriculture. We appreciate Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Have a good day.